you've got to win the priority war. And it, it is a war. There's so much that is competing for your limited resources that you have to win that priority. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Making of the SRE Omelette podcast. SRE was created by Google to balance privatization of features needed for reliability and operations against others like that shiny new product feature. However, just because we say we embrace SRE culture and mindset, we'll have that SRE team doesn't mean this problem is magically solved. Join us today to talk about how to successfully drive this balance and deliver on SRE features is Ron Baker, IBM Distinguished Engineer of SRE Operations in Sustainability Software. Welcome to the show, Ron. Thank you, Kevin. A pleasure to be here. Hey, Ron. This show is about understanding the business impact of SRE and the culture to achieve that outcome. Can you start by sharing with the audience what SRE means to you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's been interesting because I, I don't have a, I didn't come up through the SRE or operation side of the house. I came up through the development of traditional architecture, uh, coding and, and testing and delivery from that side. And so this move was an opportunity to learn that side, appreciate it more, I think, but also to bring a development point of view for a transformation from more administrative activities to how do we automate more and, and, and you know, really implement SRE as, a, as an engineering discipline, but also for my connection sort of back into the development world and how to integrate those two environments better. Uh, so it brings a little bit different perspective and definitely a, a, a better appreciation for the changes we have to make in the development side to get closer together. That's a great perspective with the lens of development. Essentially, Ron, you brought the E to SRE. <laughs> so what does success in SRE look like to you, and how would you measure that? So to me, the, the, uh, the, the kind of operations KPIs that we've put together, really, we try and drive there. So a lot of that is driven by quality for the customer so that we obviously you know, see the, the availability of the system running better, the reliability, of course, from the name, but also how usable is the system and is it meeting the business objectives? One of the things that I think the operation side really has a better handle on in some cases is, you know, how's the customer using it and is it doing what they want and, and are they reporting happiness or, or problems with it? And so getting that feedback into development as a single organization is, I think, is one of the big uh, success measure, uh, measurements for us. So really enjoyed learning about service level objectives and really viewing them more from a business perspective than just is the thing up and running or is it really meeting customers' objectives for why they want to buy the software and get value out of it. Speaking of development, I also came from that side of the house as well as consulting. And I recall it was not like we didn't care about performance and reliability. In fact, they were often captured under NFR, non-functional requirements. And here lies the problem. When it comes down to prioritization, NFRs often got left behind and treated often as, we'll fix it later, <laughs> we'll fix it after GA. Do you see that problem as well? 
And if so, how have you solved it? I definitely see this problem. I'm old enough to remember the times when you know you had very long release cycles, and you were primarily you were focused on on-premises software, and so customers had all the things we do now on the on the ops side of DevOps they were doing, and so they couldn't upgrade every month, right? Because it was a cost and a process for them, and so as we've moved to cloud-based, uh, hosted systems, SaaS systems, et cetera. We see a lot of that cost transfer back to us. And, and, and of course, the, approach, the modern approaches we're seeing make a difference. And yes, these investments, we, we really have focused a lot in the industry on speed to, to market. And so there's a certain level of risk that gets associated with that speed, with the sort of the premise that we'll come back and fix it later if it's successful. And sometimes that happens and sometimes that's pretty slow to happen. And so those things require investment. And so it's easy to say that and then assume, well, you know, we'll go to management and say, here's the return on your investment. So give us more money or give us more headcount. I think everybody in the industry realizes that getting more headcount is usually pretty difficult, especially in more mature companies that aren't growing or they're not in that what we call horizon one uh, market where you're, you're over investing, right, for, for growth. So if, you, if you're not going to get more money or headcount, then requiring investment means you've got to win the priority war. And it, it is a war. There's, there's so much that is competing for your limited resources that you have to win that priority. And so the way we've you know, done that, and again, this is where coming out of development just recently probably helps, is, is we focus on three areas. One is education of the risk, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's easy for people to overlook the impact of customer service unless it's, you're really seeing a lot of complaints escalate. And so you have to educate people on what's the risk of not having some of these pieces in place during operations, right? And it's uh, sometimes it can be immediately obvious, and sometimes it can be a slow death by complaints and your customers start to drop off because you're not providing the level of service that, that you need. So really, you know, being able to summarize that quickly is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a tendency in the industry to, to over give technical depth of what's going on and lose people, right? So, so you, you've really got to hit their emotions, not their intellect, right? It's, it's uh, familiar with the famous book, The Switch. They talk about the intellectual side and the emotional side. And this is where you have to be able to educate people on the emotional side of that and get them to understand so that they change, right? And so they change the investment priority to focus on these things. The second area that I that I then focus on is margin, because if you're gonna if you're gonna maintain a profit margin and gross profit, then you've either got to raise a price, which sales never likes, customers never like, or you've got to reduce the cost. And so, cost reduction from the SRE point of view is is pretty important, right? It's an ongoing. You know, can you constantly look at productivity gains and cost effectiveness in perpetuity. And so if you can focus on margin and show, you know, why these priority changes you've just been educated on, you know, will affect your margin, it really makes a difference in getting those priorities in as well. Third area then is really create a vision of that goal. 
you know, now you've clearly articulated kind of the why, you know, here's the vision and then stay consistent with it, right? And mm-hmm. and measure the progress and, and keep that progress and that vision, that goal in front of mind on a regular basis, right? Until, because most of the things you want won't happen in a single release or a single sprint or, you know, a single epic, right? There'd be a, a series of things that have to be constantly reminded and shepherded and you know so it's a it's a marathon it's not a sprint so those three things are really the things that i focused on and i've had success with but remember success is not a you did this and boom you're done right success is measured over two-year period the art of sre feature negotiation i really like the part you spoke of not being so technical in our arguments but touch on people's emotions Ron, can you share a few examples of how you connect that risk with emotions? Risk is not as easy to see a lot of times, right? Because if the operations team is getting pounded by constant manual effort in some area, don't immediately see that from, let's say, the uh, the sales or the product offering side. And so, so you really have to put together, I, I like to put together like a storyboard. And, I, I you know, we have a, a, a very a large design organization, IBM now over the last you know five to 10 years. And, and they've had a big influence on me as far as putting together like a storyboard that shows, here's what an operator is typically doing right now. And, and you, so I try to put our offering teams and product management teams in this position of, here's what your operators are going through right now to satisfy a customer request. And so this is what your customer is seeing. We're not finding this error ahead of time because you didn't put enough monitoring in place. Um, and so the customer is finding this error and calling us. And so the meantime to resolution is stretched out. The customer is frustrated because they're seeing more of these errors as opposed to you finding them, fixing them before they have a chance to see them. So it's those kinds of storyboards that I, you know, you try and put them in, into that position, both either the customer's position or the operations position to say, this this really needs improved and, and we're really running at risk. We're risking the reputation of the product and of IBM and of our revenue by, you know, by not investing in this. I will also echo how valuable bringing design-driven engineering to SREs. It is a great way to capture the persona and use cases to make sure we solve the right problems for the right users. Ron, can you take a minute to share how you drive SRE features to reality once you successfully win the war on prioritization? Yeah, that's part of the vision. Yeah, the, the vision is, all right, how do you prioritize what you want them to do, right? So that's that's the other thing is there's a big, you know, laundry list of stuff in order for you to get, you know, transform. You still have to internally pick what are the most important things and why and show that, right, so that they can invest. And this is where actually, you know, you have done a lot of work with uh, what we call the SRV scorecard here at IBM. And that's helped enormously on letting us say, look, these are the things we want you to address first. These are things we want to address second. We want to move you from a maturity level of where you are to something that's, you know, that's more mature. And the nice thing about that is also you sort of get to a, okay, we've, we've started to reduce risk, right, by getting to the level we need to. But then, you know, we've actually got more um, advanced levels that we can say, all right, now that we've kind of gotten rid of some of the risk, now we can even drive margin farther 
right, as we scale up, right, and we can provide scale for customer growth. Yeah, you have to really lay that out. And then in our case, you have to know the process, right? It's very important that you get epics defined by the product management team. Then you get those epics laid out into actual, you know, sizings and estimates and sprint plans. And then they get, they make it through the, uh, the scheduling process, and then you follow them through all the way through the testing and everything. So there's really a lot of that blocking and tackling of whatever your process happens to be. In our case, it's, you know, it's a very specific set of tools and a specific set of meetings that occur. Um, and you have to make sure you're, you're guiding it through that to make sure something doesn't fall out. So vision translates to an execution roadmap that is captured into a tooling like Git or Aha and run, ultimately shifting that work to the left. So it is not just giving it to the SRE team to execute, but engineering will prioritize it alongside all features. Yeah, because I think we've all been in the situation where if you're not if you're not ahead of that curve, right, and you come in at the wrong point in the development process and you say, hey, we've got to have this thing that we talked about, and they say, well, if you'd have been here a month ago or two weeks ago, we could have done it. But, you know, now we've already got our plans locked and loaded and we're <laughs> in the middle of writing all the code. So, so yeah, the timing becomes really important and that's where the shift left is important. It's also important on the measurement, right? You create a very simple to understand metric um, and you show it with pretty green, yellow and red colors to upper management um, that don't have the time to dig mm. into the details. But and the other thing that I've learned is don't show them what is promised in the next release. Show them what's been tested and verified, right? And until you do that, they'll assume something is done when it actually isn't done. So uh, that's a, also a lesson I've learned. That is a great advice. Don't talk about promises. Show outcome and impact. That is also a perfect transition to the next segment, technical vitality. Big purpose of this podcast is to capture advices for current and future site reliability engineers. Ron, any words of wisdom you would give to practitioners and perhaps managers and leaders in support of SRE? Skill-wise, it's an ever-changing set of tools. So you, so you look for one-sense skills. You look for people who are problem solvers and, and they're creative and they're flexible and these days, you, you could deal with chaos, right, So and change. So those are your kind of fundamental personality traits you're looking for. You can always train people on the individual tools, a particular database or you know a particular monitoring tool or things like that. But even those change in this age of specialization. So, so keeping people educated on those are important. The recommendation I have for managers is – when we, and this is an industry where we really manage by data, right? KPIs, right? And having good internal KPIs that, that you put together and make sure the data quality is good. But for managers, this is interesting because here's where I don't like a simple summary chart with green, yellow, red. I don't believe KPIs should be actually be managed that way. KPIs and, you know, measuring yourself, right? You know, how, what's my mean time to failure? What's my rec or recovery or my MTOs or, you know, those kinds of things, right? Those should be a way of having a conversation, right? The whole point is to have a conversation about what the data is telling us, not just what the colors are in the chart. And too many times 
you know, management is in a hurry. Everything is green. I'm good. Don't need to know anything more, right? If it's red, you have a problem. Tell me how you're going to fix the problem. And, and to be honest, that's not what those should be for, right? They should be for, all right, we had numbers dip. What happened in the situation? What's the process? Is this an outlier that we just never thought about before and we can invest in automating or it's such an outlier and the automation is expensive that we'll just live with the outlier, right? I mean, those are those are the kind of conversations that should happen when you're talking about processes and, and continuous improvement, right? Not, you know, just a simple red, yellow, green. So my biggest advice for managers is, Use them as tools, not as check marks or approvals. I I, I love that, and that really hits on a a core trait for practitioners in space, which is having that empathy, right? So, by having that dialogue you spoke of, it it drives us to understand the context versus what the outcome was. That's a very good word. Yes, empathy, right? Because you know, in one case, you're 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 not assuming your people. If you've hired good people and you've trained them, right? Then then it should never be a okay. What did you do wrong? How are you going to fix it? It should be what's wrong with the system, right? And this is this is a long time manufacturing. You've talked about Edwards Deming, for example, and and so it is a uh, sort of a human nature sort of behavior trait that you constantly have to overcome and remind people about. Right. Those are definitely reminders we take into every incident learning sessions. So Ron, let's look into your crystal ball into the future. Where do you think SRE needs to go to stay competitive and help solve problems to come? So to me, the biggest area, and I look at these when I look at, uh, let's say, uh, Kubernetes operators, uh, we see this in our OpenShift product. We see it in some of the automation tools as well as analysis tools and in AI models, right? This combination of things, it, you know, we needed to design the SRE operation side of the house and architect it just like we do the actual product for advancement, right, in, in where it's going. For the first time, we're starting to see enough information being gathered through the entire stack that we can integrate together and we can start to look at, are we running this the most efficient way possible? And I'm not talking about doing a stress test for a couple days and, and seeing that, right? You start to see this in, in sort of the more mature, born on the cloud, large scale SaaS offerings that kind of have to do this in order to scale to the levels they, they've got, right? And that is be able to automatically not just scale up and scale down, but also kind of evaluate, am I using the minimum number of cores uh, to still satisfy? Can I predict when I see seasonal demand or just recent phenomenon that I can, you know, that I can uh, predict that better? Uh, and so this insight of data that we're gathering on the SRE operations side and then putting applying AI models to that to make better choices, uh, that's going to be interesting. And and so a lot of the things that we have automated now, we're starting to see get embedded into these Kubernetes operators so that they can actually be delivered with the product. So now it won't be just the SaaS world for a cloud world, for example, that have these optimizations at scale. 
you, you can even see um, a hybrid cloud application that might be hosted on premises for data residency or you know privacy issues or something and still be able to leverage these operation automations and insights without having to build them all with your own IT organization. That's going to be an interesting uh, opportunity when we start to see those higher levels of maturity and the operators uh, be able to do that. That sounds quite exciting. And I appreciate the perspective you gave on taking what we are doing for our own SaaS operations for our customers on hybrid or on prime. Yeah, and, and think of the global cost savings that, that's associated with that, right? Instead of hundreds of right, IT organizations doing the same yeah. thing or duplicating that same effort, right? You start to reduce that. And, and there's, of course, there's a sustainability mm-hmm. and, and uh, uh, energy savings associated with that as well, right? So we, we're not only just seeing cost savings, we're starting to see a really big uptick in how do we do these operations most efficiently from a carbon footprint point of view? We're going to save that for another podcast. Sounds good. Sounds good. But for now, I'd like to thank you, Ron, for taking us through the journey of SRE feature delivery and the art of negotiation. In closing, I always like to go back to the inspiration for the podcast. Ron, what will be your ingredient and recipe for the SRE omelet? All right, I'm going to say education, focus, vision, measure, and goat cheese. I, I, I just, I don't like an omelet with goat, without goat <laughs> cheese. I mean, I, I, can, I can eat it, but goat cheese really, you know, as, as the final flavor to it. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Ron. Yeah, my pleasure. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the SRE ingredient and recipe from Ron Baker. I've been distinguished engineer of SRE operations in sustainability software. Thank you for listening and see you again on a future episode.